Before we get to today's episode of Beyond the Books with Megan Chu, just want to say a quick thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. If you want to see the pictures used during this interview with Megan, uh, go to the YouTube version of this episode. Go to youtube.com, search Beyond the Books Med, and find the episode there. Now, please enjoy this episode with Megan Chu, originally recorded on February 28th, 2021. And now, here's this episode of Beyond the Books with your host, Alex Chong. Today's forecast, 55 degrees under cloudy skies, perfect conditions for a podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Alex Chong. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Books, where we go deep into the backgrounds and stories of our future healthcare heroes. Again, my name is Alex Chong, and I'm very, very excited for today's guest. Uh, She comes from the great city of West Lafayette, Indiana, and I think this is going to be quite an interview today. So without further ado, let's bring our guest, and please please give a big round of sound for Megan Chu. Megan, how are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course, Megan. So are you guys done? So you're a fourth year of medical student. Um, so are you done officially with classes at this point? Yeah, I finished my last clinical this past Friday. And um, I just have like this prep for a surgical residency course in April. And then that's it. So yeah. Incredible. That's incredible. So close to being done. Very, very exciting. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Don't feel like I'm ready, but. (laughs) So we're going to take a sharp turn for medicine, actually, because we have one mission that we got to complete during this episode. Would you like to hear what that mission is? Yes. All right. We're going to prove that you, Megan Chu, are more than just a medical student. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right. Ready to get started? Yes. All right, Megan. So as I said in the intro, you grew up in the city of West Lafayette, Indiana, going to West Lafayette junior slash senior high school, go Red Devils. And um, you did some pretty cool things in high school. Uh, You played soccer and you did some incredible things um, in high school. But there's one uh, hobby or a club that you did that I found really, really interesting. And I would like you to um, talk to me more about that. Um, What do you remember of a robotics competition where in 2012, you guys actually went to uh, the 2012 Washington, D.C. Uh, robotic regionals. What do you remember about that? Oh my gosh, that was a very long time ago. But um, robotics is a huge part of high school for me. Um, I was a total nerd. So I guess that really fit in well. Um, our team was 461 with West Lafayette. So we actually worked with a lot of Purdue engineering students. And um, basically, like first robotics, you they each year they come out with a different game. And basically, you build a robot surrounding like the parameters of that game. Um, and this was our robot that time. And um, I think this was a yeah, this is the year that it was like frisbees. So like you shot out discs. Oh. So you like collect them from that bottom area there, and then you like it will carry it up and then shoot it out up top. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty fun. I, I loved it. And that's probably why I went into engineering for college, but yeah, huge part of my, (laughs) my high school growing up. And yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool working with the team and like, like building these robots that were sometimes bigger than like us. And so, yeah, it was really cool to see that. So so in this competition, what were you guys being scored on? Were you guys being scored on retrieving frisbees or how far a frisbee is thrown? Like, what's like the judging for this 
kind of competition? Um, usually, so there's like usually a bunch of different ways you can score, but the general one was with Frisbees and it's like different slots. So how many, like wherever the slots were either positioning on the wall, I'm trying to remember correctly because each year it was kind of different. Um, and it was like total different games too, but there were two years with Frisbees, I think. But this one I think was the one where like, depending on how high it was um, on the um, on the wall, that's how many like points you got and then you work in a in a like with two other robots so it's like an alliance and then <laughs> going into really lots of nerd here um and that's like your all your total score was like all three of your guys's points together that's awesome and so i guess my question is when you're building a robot like this what's like the part that takes the most time or it takes the most effort is it the metal out I, I mean i know nothing about robots just like as a context yeah. but like is it building the outside part is it all of the electricity inside the robot is it building the mechanism so they can um, throw the frisbees like what took the most time um, when creating a robot like this i think it's mostly troubleshooting so like troubleshooting between like the electronics versus and the programming versus like the actual like if once you had the programming in, does it actually work on the robot? And then other things like, um, like when you're throwing the Frisbee, like you have to control the speed of the motors and that's like how, how far it throws or how fast it throws. And so like all of those things you have to like kind of troubleshoot along the way. And so um, usually like that probably takes the longest at the very end, the fine tuning of it all. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. And metal and electricity were not the only things you were good building with. You're quite skilled with wood as well, because I saw some pictures uh, from your high school days in the wood shop. Um, so I guess my question is, um, what what kind of led you to be more of a like uh, kind of like a builder kind of uh, interest in high school? Were you just always interested in building stuff? Did were your parents builders? Where did this like um, interest in building come from? I'd like to say it came from my dad. He's a professor of mechanical engineering. So um, <clears throat> I think like, I just like growing up really loved like tinker with, tinkering with things like Legos and all that kind of stuff. Oh my God, this picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I liked, um, yeah, I just liked working with my hands. I liked knitting, I liked baking, like all those things like involving hands and like having a product afterwards. And so, that was in high school. And um, yeah, I, I always really liked, uh, you know, like not having a, a plan in mind, like having a design and being able to like build it myself. I thought that was a really cool and neat thing. And so, um, yeah, that's really what kind of got me started. And I like to like with robotics, it's like a team aspect. And so you get to work with a lot of other people as well. So, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I guess you're touching a saw that you're not supposed to touch or something or yeah okay <laughs> it's okay we had the teacher's approval okay good so when you're working with like fabric or wood or metal slash electricity are they more similar as far as like what it, the kind of skills you need in order to work with these kinds of materials or are they just very very different from each other in terms of how they should be handled and what kind of um, what kind of things you have to think about for each of these materials? I think it's pretty different. I mean, when you're working with fabric, well, I guess, so 
like the basics is like know what materials you're going to use um and like is this the material right for the project and then you know your tools so like here like do you know how to use a bandsaw do you know how to use it safely do you know how to use sanders like all those kinds of things and like is that the right tool for your project and then um executing it in a, in a safe way i think <laughs> with bandsaws is really important <laughs> and um yeah, so I think like the basic principles are the same when working on any project, um, but definitely different skills you need first, like for sewing versus knitting versus like uh, working on like woodworking projects. I never got to like weld anything, but a lot of my other peers learned that skill. So that was another thing that, um, yeah, if you're working with metals, then you'd be doing that. So when you're now working and building all these um, amazing things, another cool thing that you got to do in high school is that you got to listen to a certain celebrity slash politician in 2010. Megan, what do you remember of hearing Obama, uh, I think at the, yeah, at the time, President Obama uh, give a speech and I think 2010 was the time uh, you heard him speak. That was like, one of the coolest things. Um, I, yeah, it's something, oh my God, my face is so big. <laughs> yeah, so that's him really far away from me. Um, it was, it was a really cool experience and it was actually like, I was like very lucky to be there because I had gone to DC for um, a year in high school and that was my junior year. And that's the time he came to like that high school to come and speak. So like, it was a really cool opportunity and, um, obviously, I mean, he's a great speaker. So I think that was like my first kind of exposure to politics even. And so like, I didn't, I wasn't very invested in politics as a high school student. Um, it just felt like I couldn't do much as someone that couldn't vote yet. And so it was really cool to hear him speak and talk passionately about, you know, things that he values and also like how important education is. And so um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. I was very far away from him, but that's the closest <laughs> I've ever been to like any presidential candidate. So I'm going to take it. And yeah, it was awesome. Also, my face is so big in this picture. <laughs> hey, we oh, all in high school didn't struggle with selfies in high school, though, honestly. Oh, yeah, that was a struggle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was back in 2010. It's 11 years later now in 2021. Um, if you can pick any like political figure or inspirational figure to just hear him talk, just hear him like in an interview or a speech live, who is someone that comes first into your mind? Um, so sorry, Barack Obama, but it's Michelle Obama. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think, I mean, she's, I mean, I, there's no words, but she's obviously an influential figure. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, what she stands for and what she represents is amazing. And I would just love to be a fly on the wall or a person in the audience um, just to have the opportunity to hear her speak. So, yeah. Yeah, why not have both Michelle and Barack there just kind of like a full circle thing? Exactly, exactly. See, if Michelle is there, then Barack also might speak. So like two for one. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you listened to um, either of their audio books yet or... Um documentaries or anything i'm currently reading um becoming by michelle mm -hmm. Obama, and i have not yet purchased um barack obama's uh 
memoir yet, but hopefully I will soon. Um, but I still have a lot of books on my list. So hopefully in the next couple of months when I have off, I can get, get through it. Absolutely. Hey, Megan, ready to get out of high school? Yes, please. All right, let's get out of high school. Let's go to your college years in um, Purdue University, where you graduated with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, which is pretty cool. Um, but I guess one may wonder what kind of led you to like, so obviously you're in medical school now, about to graduate from medical school, and yet you started um, undergrad and finished undergrad even with an engineering degree. So it's kind of two kind of similar, but kind of not similar fields. So um, when you went, when you first went to Purdue, were you always like, were you initially like going for a job in engineering and then kind of transitioned over to healthcare? Or did you know from the beginning that healthcare was where you wanted to be um, at the beginning? I knew from the beginning, actually, I have always wanted to be a physician and the reasoning behind that has changed and developed as, as time has gone on. Oh my gosh, that just brings back a lot of memories. <laughs> um, and so I always knew that I wanted to do medicine and I knew that you could do basically anything for undergrad, as long as you had your requirements for pre-med. And so I was like, you know, why not do something like different, a little bit different that, you know, possibly like I could see a lot of the um, intersections between both engineering and medicine and kind of explore those possibilities as well. And yeah, experience something different. I think it was a time where I could actually study something different that like my life wasn't like revolving around medicine um, as I, I'm the, now also realizing too that it, it, it basically is. Um, you can find different areas that are in your niches and you can find your own different passions within medicine. But yeah, so I wanted to do that before I went to medical school. And so that's why I chose engineering and mechanical engineering actually offers a lot of breadth and depth um, in terms of like a lot of the other engineering fields. So it was a cool um, area that I could explore a lot. Um, yeah, I had a really good time. I, yeah. it was hard, but I liked, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my biggest curiosity, um, we had another, um, guest, Jack Townsend, who was a business major and, um, also did the pre-med track as well. And he was saying how there was a difference in kind of the, I guess, culture, the environment when in his business classes and versus his pre-med classes, I'm kind of wondering was was kind of like the vibe in the engineering courses and the pre-med courses with like the professors, the student, those kind of things. Were they more similar, more different? Like how are the differences between those two uh, kind of similar, but kind of not similar uh, fields? That's a great question. I, I definitely felt that actually too. Um, I guess engineering, <laughs> we were all suffering together. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It was, it's a hard major. And yeah, I think that's like, we had a lot of camaraderie with like a lot of just like my peers in my, in those courses, um, just because all the, all the classes were really hard and we were just like trying to get through versus like in pre-med, I definitely felt like sometimes there was that aspect of competition and I, you know, that's definitely held true even now in medical school. Um, but um, yeah, that was very different than like my engineering education, I would say. Uh, and I, uh, I don't know if I really liked it. 
I, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't really appreciate it as much, which is kind of why I actually really enjoyed my engineering education because yeah, it, you know, <laughs> suffering through all of that kind of brought us closer together. <laughs> yeah. That's say the true. Gotcha. And, um, Megan, I want to ask this question because tomorrow is the beginning of March and March is, um, women's history months and, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, female representation in the engineering and the sciences, um, like STEM kind of majors is under, is underrepresented, uh, underrepresented, excuse me. And there is unfortunately some like stereotype that, um, things like engineering or science is still like a man's um, degree. Um, but hopefully over the, I mean, I honestly don't know, like hopefully there's been progress made, but I want to hear from you as, as a woman who um, got a taste of engineering from the very start in high school and in four years of um, engineering and pre-med undergrad and now going to med school, I guess I want to hear from your perspective. Um, where, how far have we gone in the past few years and where are we still going and where do we still have to get better when it comes to that? That is a big question um, and an important one, I think. I, when I went into mechanical engineering, I think I was like 15, like 15 to 20% were women. Um, and I, there is a lot of, there is still like, there was still some bias um, when I was there, but they were like actively trying to combat that. Like they have these like huge STEM programs to, you know, entice women to come into like engineering and technology. And so like the women in engineering program was huge. Um, and there's, a, they were doing like, they, they had an active role in like recruiting women to become um, engineering majors. And so you, I mean, it used to be the the statistics were like abysmal and now they're just like slightly better and they're moving in the right direction, which is great. And it's really important too, to have like women role models within your field as well, whether it be like science or technology or engineering or medicine. And so there's like a lot of, there's a lot more role models now um, that I, I've seen and I know of um, too within those fields. So I think that's also a step moving forward, like knowing that you're represented and seeing your representation within that field is important. And then a lot of people are speaking out too with um, like wage gaps as well as like um, mistreatment. And I think those things are more publicized now and people are more, easy, uh, more able to share their experiences. And I think that's also important to, you know, break that kind of glass barrier. I, yeah, I've had honestly mostly positive experiences from going into engineering as in high school to college, um, just because they had um, some of that extra support already within the program. So having those resources in that support system is really important as well if we want to continue cultivating a culture of collaboration and inclusion. And so I think, I think there's more money being spent into it. Obviously, we still have some ways to go, but um, the fact that people are, you know, putting time and money into something like this is important. And yeah, I just hope that that continues and it's not just something like, you know, like a performative kind of advocacy or something that they're doing, but hopefully it's a continued effort. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see so far, but yeah. And, you know, some of the smartest engineers that I know are women. So it's actually yeah. really to see that. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, the hope is that the momentum towards this, um, it continues to grow and grow mm -hmm. to a point where future generations look back and say, why was this even a question in the first place? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully we continue moving in a positive direction. And uh, I just want to thank uh, strong women in science, such as yourself, Megan, that um, are doing just an awesome job um, dealing with all of this, dealing with all this unnecessary crap and um, continue to be, as you said, like role models for um, all the women who um, want to become scientists or want to become engineers or uh, any, any, not just science, any, any career, honestly, let's be real, like any career whatsoever. So I appreciate that, Sean. That means <laughs> <course>. a lot. <laughs> of course. All right. Let's transition over to, let's transition over to maybe your biggest um, saying that you did during your years at Purdue University, and that is your works with Timmy Global Health. Um, but before we dive straight into that, I kind of want to take a step a little bit because you actually visited um, Central South America uh, three times. Um, you went um, to Nicaragua, let me see if I have this right. You, have, you went to Nicaragua in um, 2014 for Amigos for Christ. You went to, I think, Guatemala in 2015, I think. I think that was the next one. And then with Timmy, you went to Ecuador in um, 2016, I believe. Uh, so, you know, you had three, you know, we grow a lot, we grow a lot in college and you have three different like steps as far as like going to these countries. Is there something that, is there something different that you take away from each of these trips, do you think? Yeah, it's really funny that you mentioned that because I was just reflecting on that for one of my fourth year electives. I'm taking like a virtual global, um, global health ethics elective. Um, and I, so each of those trips was like with a different program. And I actually took an additional trip to Ecuador my senior year. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, these pictures. I think this is Guatemala, if I'm not mistaken in my labeling. I think that was Ecuador. Ecuador, kidding, Ecuador. This is Ecuador. Okay. <laughs> yes. um, and that was with the Timmy trip. Um, but I actually went with a, the last one was also to Quito, Ecuador, and that was with um, ROMP, which is Range of Motion Project. And they, it was for a biomed, um, bio, biomed study abroad. So yeah, so I would say like each experience, I, there were like things and aspects of each experience that I felt kind of uncomfortable with, like a lot of, um, so like particularly the first two experiences, the first one Amigos for Christ is like working with water programs within um, communities and um, helping them like lay down pipes and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, each, each aspect of each trip, I learned like kind of what programs in nonprofit that I was interested in, like global health wise, as in like what, um, ethically I felt comfortable doing and was like me being there actually a productive thing to do and um, what are my main takeaways and so um, each of those experiences like gave me something a little bit different so like the Guatemala one I was like hmm, this sounds like this experience felt really much like um, volunteerism and you know that's probably something that I will never try and do again and you know I'll persuade others to not do as well and um, we were actually 
I think, um, I honestly just call it a vacation because I don't think we actually did anything for the community. And so like, those are things that, you know, I'm not, I'm not really proud of, but I think they were really great learning experiences. And so like from that step forward, I found Timmy and, you know, I found that like a lot of their programs are fairly sustainable and they try to do things in a very ethical way. And, um, and then with the study abroad, I also felt that the same way about that program that we, um, we worked with as well, ROMP, who like pr provides prosthesis for like people like amputees. Um, and it's a big problem in third world or developing countries because um, they have a lot of car accidents and mobility is like um, a really big hindrance for people um, in order to provide a living for, or, you know, all of those things and all of the other health, um, health consequences that come with that. And so like, these are two like nonprofit organizations that, you know, after the previous experiences, learning from them, I kind of became to be more aware about what I find is ethical, ethical and um, programs that I want to be a part of. And so, yeah, a lot of different experiences. Um, and I learned a lot from each of them. Awesome. Yeah. And um, the Timmy um, Global Health, um, I think to that point, probably was your biggest leadership saying that you had to do um, up to that point, because you're kind of um, running the show here. I mean, you're, you're kind of making sure, playing the trip together and um, kind of making sure that everything goes smoothly there. Is there an aspect, because, you know, a cynic, a cynic of these trips might think, oh, you just collect some supplies, you go to wherever for like a week, and then you go home. Um, but I mean, you've, you've been there, you've been behind the scenes, you see all the logistics that have to go into it. What's like an aspect or two of planning for these trips that, you know, it's pretty difficult and takes some time that uh, people who are not in, not running the logistics of this thing may not quite see. Um, that's a great question. I actually, so I served as president and usually the president doesn't plan the trips we have like trip planners mm -hmm. um and so i don't want to speak for them but i would say like one of the aspects um that's really important is like the fundraising and especially all of the donations that we bring um bring in we like bring a lot of different medications a lot of medical supplies that um i don't think the the clinics would run if if we weren't able to bring those. So um, in that aspect, I think the supplies that we were able to bring is something that um, is like a benefit to the community. Uh, there, are, I think, you know, that's a great question to any like short-term volunteer project that you go to, like, is the short-term like stay here really worth it? Like, is the like, um, plane trip, like that money really worth it if we fly there versus like if they hire people in ground. And usually it's not. And what I think Timmy, like Timmy's other mission is to inspire like students to be a part of like the, the change for the future. And so I think this experience in itself is a learning experience for students um, to, you know, see the communities that are effective and then, um, you know, whatever aspect of uh, or whatever field that they're in in the future to continue to work on these global health projects. And so um, that's kind of the goals of these trips. And so in the back of that, you know, the supplies that we go and then also you being there and kind of running the clinic because the clinic 
without, you know, the students there, um, they would probably have to hire a lot more like in, in like in country staff um, to run those clinics um, and to go to those communities. And um, a lot of the communities too are like, you know, two, three hours away from the capital and they're like very secluded. And so um, like Timmy goes every couple of months um, to make sure that they still have the medication that they um, were prescribed or that they're um, still being treated. And also they have a lot of um, in-country support as well. So um, a lot of the people that we see, if they have like a long-term health issue or they need surgery or something that needs to be referred to the actual hospital, um, part of the fundraising that we do throughout the year goes to those referrals and transportation for patients to get to um, the hospital as well. So um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and it's really cool to be a part of the organization and as well as and work on like the fundraising and the and gathering supplies um, as well as being there. Um, I know the trips are kind of hyped up, but I think a lot of the work throughout the year is what makes the trips rewarding for people that go on it. And even if you don't go on a trip, it's still a rewarding experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's a year long project, right? It doesn't you know, start when the trip happens and ends when the trip ends. You know, there's fundraising, there's the supply collections, there's raising awareness and recruiting new students. Like there's a lot of work that goes into these things um, throughout the year. Speaking of recruiting students, there's one last question I have regarding Timmy Global Health. Because we're not, we don't sugarcoat things on Beyond the Books. So the students that goes on these trips, you know, there's a variety of, let's say motivation levels, I guess, that goes with the students that goes on these trips. You know, you have the highly motivated students. They totally get what, why they're going there. They're very passionate about it. And, you know, you have some other students that are like, oh, this will like, this will look great on my resume. This will, this is a nice week away to travel, you know, do you have those kind of motivations as well? And I'm sure you, as a leader um, of this thing, this was something you probably saw, and maybe had to deal with as well. So, I guess if you, if if there was like, let's say, a freshman or a sophomore, like a younger a younger student, who, um, you know, is kind of not having maybe not the right mindset when it comes to these trips. What, what kind of like advice or like little nudge would you give um, to that student? Um, definitely I've seen this, um, which is kind of unfortunate, but I do think that like, you know, you kind of meet people where they are um, and oftentimes like having a good conversation with them or like sitting down and having a chat and mostly like sharing your experience. I don't think you know, it's, it's up to that person to like change whatever their motivations are. That's really not up to you. And, um, and, you know, all you can do is share your own experience and maybe they'll, they'll agree with you. Maybe they'll disagree, which is totally fine. But um, I do think that like, you know, people will have different opinions and different motivations to do things. And um, we have a lot of different motivations to come into medicine. I'm hoping that for everyone, it's like to help people. Um, or to relieve suffering for people. And so, you know, but people come in with different intentions and all you can do is maybe show your side um, and see if that's something that, you know, they're also interested in, in exploring as well. Because I do know that like my perspective changed 
um, a lot with a lot of the older members in Timmy and like them sharing their experiences and what was meaningful to them. And that allowed me to self-reflect and think about, you know, what, what like the purpose of it was and, you know, are those like the right intentions that I, I, I want to have as a mindset moving forward. So. Yeah. You just got to hope that the tripping experience changed their hearts as well, you know? Um, so yeah, but awesome, awesome stuff you guys did in Timmy Global Health. So very cool stuff you got to do there. All right, Megan, kind of a left field question for you here. So you did a, you did a lot of great things in college. You're an engineering major. You're doing Timmy, all these things. But I want to know where this kind of unusual achievement came from. On a scale of horrified to flattered, where does ending up on the Purdue Facebook secret admirers page um, end up for you on the list of achievements during your time at Purdue University? Can I be horrified and flattered? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I not believe you found. <laughs> so there's the post right there. <laughs> so what's the story here? Like, were you surprised or did you, or was this like kind of a prank that you knew was coming? I'm sure it was a prank. It's gotta be a prank. <laughs> I, 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 I was, I'm pretty, it's, it's a prank. Well, did you know, I guess, I, I guess the way to rephrase is like, did you know this was coming or like, was this a totally surprise out of the blue kind of a thing? Um, I think this one was a surprise out of the blue. <laughs> so what was your reaction when you, you know, you, you get a notification that like they're tagging you. It's like, oh yeah, you're on the Purdue Secret Admirers page. I think it was like <laughs> just horror and flattery. Like you horror were saying. No, yeah, that's fair. That. I don't know. I, yeah, I, <laughs> funny. that's just funny. I think it's funny. Yeah. Uh, nothing ever came out of it, just if, if anyone wants to know. <laughs> and I think your your response was pretty epic. It was, haha, thank you, but I'm married to coffee and books or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that was a pretty good response to it. It was funny too, because I worked at Starbucks. And so. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Let's get out of, let's get out of Facebook because who cares about Facebook, right? And uh, like really found some hidden <laughs> gems. Yes, some good, some good memories, I'm sure. Speaking of good memories, let's talk about another cool thing um, you got to do. Um, and actually, I want to do this in the form of a game. So, I think, in my opinion, throughout Purdue University, you were the master of um, striking a pose because I found some pictures where you're striking some pretty epic poses, uh, whether it's for a skit or whether it's for some sort of dance. So I kind of want to put these poses up and I just want you to tell me the story behind um, this picture here. How does that sound? Great, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm horrified, but it'd be great. <laughs> All right, so the first one is from um, something called BGR. So I want you to explain what BGR is and um, just kind of explain to me What's, what's going on in this picture here? So here's the picture. Um, so what's BGR? What's going on here? What's the story? Okay, so BGR stands for Boiler Gold Rush. They rebranded now, but um, it's the orientation program. And um, basically like we orient all like 7,000, I guess now like students um, when they come to like in the fall. And uh, I was part of that organization, which was like, I started out as a team leader, then a team supervisor, and then I ended up being on the orientation committee. And so I think this was when I was a team supervisor. 
and they, we always have a dance every year and everyone, um, we try to get everyone to learn it. And so this was me on stage doing that dance. There you go. Yes. Awesome. And, um, I guess, is there like some sort of alumni saying that you could do once you do graduate? Because I found some more VGR pictures from 2018, which I believe is after you graduated. Um, so what's kind of what, well, I guess a better question is how did it feel kind of circling back? Because, you know, you went to Purdue, you took part of, um, of this gold rush, um, during, before your freshman year, you had this awesome experience at Purdue. Then in 2018, as an alumni, you come back to inspire or to kind of lead this new generation of Boilermakers. Um, so what, what was that like coming back as an alumni? I thought it was really neat. It was, uh, it was, it was kind of surreal to see. And like all of these people were also alumni, like um, even further back than I was. And so it was cool to like see like that, like some of them are also still friends. Like I, like BGR was a place where I made a lot of my friends. And so um, I'm still really close with them. And so it was a great opportunity to come and like see them again as well, as well as like interact with all of these other people that were a part of this really, it's a, it's a really large organization within Purdue and um, it's pretty close knit. And so um, I've met a lot of people through it. And so it was nice to see that it was continuing to like bring people together and um, help like students kind of acclimate to college and um, people were still just as enthused as we were back then, so. So when you were working on this um, student orientation com committee or um, yeah, or committee. So you, you met freshmen that are about two, three, four years apart from you, which may not seem very much, but you know, a lot happens in the world two, three, four years. So I'm just curious when you compared to when you were a freshman during the gold rush and when you became a committee leader of the gold rush mentoring freshmen, did you, did you find that like the worries or the concerns or the questions that um, you might've had as a freshman uh, be similar or different to what um, the freshman that you mentored um, when you were a leader of Boiler Gold, Gold Rush. I don't know if that question was clear. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, I, I, I think there was a lot of similarities. Okay. I was, I mean, I think everyone comes from a different background into this like kind of pressure cooker environment in college, which I think is like very interesting. It's like the only time to like in your life where you're surrounded by people your age that are kind of going sim through similar things. Um, not to like diminish anyone, what any, the struggles of other people, but you kind of are all going through this like college experience together. And so, yeah, I did see like a lot of the similar um, worries and concerns from a lot of the, the first year students that came in. And um, I actually worked a lot with international students and it was really interesting to see like their concerns as well, which were very different, um, but um, at the end of the day, like everyone's coming into a college experience and um, they just had some like added, added concerns as well because they're coming from a totally different country. So yeah, it was really interesting to see and also the similarities, but also kind of the differences as well and appreciate those differences um, and then bond together about the similarities.
Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So another question I have, because I worked in IU's orientation program when I was an undergrad, and I, I'm assuming this program was during the summer, like maybe June, July, August, somewhere around there. Yeah. So it was um, in August, and they did, they did some like June, July programming, but not everyone was a part of that. So in other words, the weather was very hot <laughs> during the summer, and yeah. uh, <laughs> yes, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was hot in Lafayette as well. Um, so I want to get like the Megan Chu guide of when you have to do these programs, just how to beat the heat, stay cool, and um, how to just avoid the heat from just overwhelming you when you're working a program like this. Um, always wear sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Thing I didn't do, but wish I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's nice to wear a hat. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then uh, there, I wear deodorant, please, yes. and <laughs> and shorts and t-shirts for days. Fountain runs, which are a huge thing at Purdue. Like, oh, what's a fountain run? Yeah, what's a fountain run? Um, basically, you there's I want to say three or nope, there's way more than that. Sorry, I'm trying to count. Anyways, there's a ton of fountains within Purdue and there's like a certain certain like run that you do that hits all the fountains um, and you end up at the engineering fountain, which is the last fountain, which is the one that most people like know Purdue as. Um, and so, yeah, they're always on in the summer and those are like the, the, the one thing you have to do if you, if you are a Boilermaker, like you should do that. And it's a great way to cool off um because they're freezing so those are like the four hot tips and <laughs> it's funny story I had to like get um chafing powder for my uh-huh. I did a store run and um yeah so chafing powder if that's something that you need there you go so you're gonna be a student orientation leader chafing powder and you're good to go stay well hydrated out there absolutely yes yes all right so Let's move on from this um, student orientation stuff. And um, I guess where, where do I wanna go next? Let's go to, so you graduated from Purdue in um, I think 2017, right? Yeah, 2017. And you took, and I'm not gonna, sh- I'm not gonna under, um, I'm not gonna underestimate it. You took a awesome trip, it looks like. Um, in 2017 um, in Indonesia and Vietnam, Australia, there might have been more things thrown in there. Um, So I guess the question I have for you is, what was a cooler experience? Um, Seeing all of the beautiful temples in uh, Indonesia or taking a dive in Hailong Bay in Vietnam? Oh, (laughs) I would say like seeing the temples is very cool and it's like a very cultural experience too and also because like my parent like my mom is buddhist like it was also kind of a meaningful experience that way for me but the experience at halong bay was like excellent and i do recommend that everyone go so these are my friends that i went on the trip with and it was it was yeah vietnam is um yeah has been my favorite country in that trip yeah. So how did this come together? Like, obviously, you know, you don't wake up overnight and just say, oh, let's go to Vietnam. Um, so how did this all come together as like a trip? Yeah. So I 
really wanted to do like a senior trip and I am very privileged enough to be able to fund some like a trip like this so very appreciative and I just want to acknowledge that yeah um yeah so me and Matt which is the guy that's pictured um on the screen we decided to like take this trip and Nilifer um was like our third so we like had her come in because I think she was the one that suggested Southeast Asia so we did Southeast Asia together and then I flew (laughs) I was I was crazy I flew back to attend one of my best friend's weddings and then I flew to meet Matt in in Australia wow no way (laughs) yeah I think that's how it went it was either Australia or New Zealand. Anyways, we did Australia and New Zealand, and then Bali was the end of our trip. Wow, so, that is also, so cool. Yeah, it was insanity. It was insanity. Yeah, and, <laughs> and props to you for being an awesome friend, going all the way back for a wedding and then coming all, all the way back. That is loyalty, guys. That is awesome. Yeah. 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 So is there, is there like a particular story or a memory or a moment that um, really, um, that was just either, either, either impactful, we can be in, or like sentimental or was, or just a really funny moment that you remember from um, this trip that you took to Southeast Asia and Australia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we met these um, two Irish girls. We call them our Galway girls because um, Galway girls by Ed Sheeran was uh, it was like everywhere we went. It was, we were so sick of the song by the end of this trip. <laughs> but so we called them our Cali girls. <laughs> and we actually met them in, I want to say it was Vietnam. And then we we found out that we were going to Australia or going to be in Sydney. Nope, nope, no, no. We were going to be in Auckland, New Zealand <laughs> at the same time. And so then we went, with, went up with them again there. And so... It was, and we had the best time with these, um, these girls. And it was like, yeah, it was just such a funny, like full circle moment. Cause they were in both of that. And so, yeah, it was, it was, those are very fun nights in both of those locations. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the best parts, honestly, of these trips is that, you know, you go with your friends, that's a lot of fun, but just meeting new friends from completely different places and all of you have the same like mindsets. Like we want to explore and just take in everything and um, have just a good time and just no worries whatsoever. And um, yeah, it's really cool to um, meet people like these. And that's hilarious. That's awesome that you guys met in uh, not just one, but in two different places. That's, that's really cool. So obviously travel has been kind of put on the pause for a bit. Um, So you know, a typical, an easy question is um, once traveling does open up, let's say you can go, let's say you can go anywhere before um, residency starts, right? Because I know that's a big trip for um, us, like future healthcare workers. It's like some sort of big thing before residency starts. If, if, if you can go anywhere, let's say money, time, not an issue whatsoever. What's, what's on top of your bucket list? Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot for a lot of different reasons. Okay, give 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 me some. Give me like a sampling. Okay. So we were actually me and Matt were talking about going to Ireland to go meet up with our Galway girls. Love it. Um, so that was like one on the top of the list. I really always wanted to go to um, Turkey. I wanted mm-hmm. to go to Tibet. Mm-hmm. Um, where else? I've heard Iceland is beautiful. Um, 
Talk to me about Turkey, because that's kind of left field. So, um, yeah, what's the interest in Turkey? So, actually, my dad's been to Turkey a lot. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, he does, like, global programs for mechanical engineering. And so he's actually been to Turkey, I think, for maybe, like, one or two study abroads. Um, and then also just for work. And so he's, like, just, he's really hyped up Turkey. And I feel like not a lot of people, I guess, know or like people do know but it's not as like you know as hot as like a europe trip you know even though it is in europe it's fine (laughs) (laughs) or um yeah so that's somewhere i want to go i also want to go to um zambia because my friend is a goat farmer there and oh what (laughs) so I was supposed to go to Kenya this, um, and then I was going to swing by Zambia on my way out, but yeah. The pandemic, sadly. Pandemic. Pandemic. Well, hopefully um, everyone, not just us, but like everyone will be able to create more memories and, you know, maybe we'll take these trips more for granted, honestly, um, or we'll appreciate these trips more um, because, you know, like we, we obviously miss traveling now and, um, you know, one thing's opened up, maybe we'll get even more out of these trips, I suppose. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I know I will. I've been looking yeah. back at my trips and thinking very fondly of them. Absolutely. Yeah, the great memories from the past and hopefully more memories in the future. All right, Megan, this is the very last topic that I do want to hit in this amazing interview so far. And um, you know, I have to bring it up. You are the student body president of um, Indiana University School of Medicine. But you know, it's interesting because your your term as student body president is definitely different than most other student body presidents of um, any other time. You know, because like when you're when you're a president of a medical school, um, you usually deal with like intra medical school things, right? Like you have to deal with the students, the administrators, and settle the affairs there. But you know, it, oh, oh, about a year, from, but about a year from today, um, in the past, you had to deal with something—the pandemic that wasn't only affecting the medical school; it was literally affecting the entire planet, um, which is crazy, which is insane. Um, so, and it, it wasn't something that you guys could, you know, had could spend months planning for. It had to be fast; like you had to kind of think on your guy, think on your own feet, and just make a huge turnaround of. So, I mean, count, I can't say them all, like countless different aspects of this. So I have two questions for you um, in your unique term as president. The first question is, what is the biggest um, accomplishment that you, not administration, not other students, not other students, that you are most proud of um, when you're dealing with this crisis? And the second question, because it's kind of related, Let's say, I mean, God forbid, hopefully not, but let's say years from now, there's another crisis happening and there's another like president of a medical school or something like that. What advice would you give him or her um, to best tackle a possible crisis like this one? Oh my gosh, huge question. I would just like to say that I I am retired and I'm- (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yes, it was, uh, we, we had never imagined that this would happen. And um, obviously, you know, you know, the executive board that I worked with was excellent. And so I would say like the most proud 
I I am most proud of. Yes. Like I want to hear what you're most proud of. <laughs> yeah. I'm most proud of like the school really coming, students really coming together to support their communities. That was like very oh my God. <laughs> nice presidential <laughs> picture right there. Oh yes. gosh. Um <laughs> I think that was really inspiring for me to see and um, was much needed. Like everyone was feeling very isolated, not just because of the pandemic, like obviously because of the pandemic, but um, we're going through a lot of different like transitions, either like third to fourth year or second to third year and all of these things were going on. And it was like, we were going off schedule. We were kind of um, everything that we had planned in advance was not working out. And so it was really, really in, like inspirational to see all of these people come together, like within the Bloomington community. Um, There's a bunch of different projects across the state, um, a lot of initiatives within Indianapolis as well. Um, like people are doing blood drives, they were working with distilleries to make hand sanitizer, they were doing PPE drives. Like that was, that was really incredible to see. And um, I'm just, yeah, I'm happy to be a part of that and to be at a school where like, you know, students really care about the communities that are in and, um, yeah, I'm very excited to see like where all of my class goes, where all of your class goes and like, um, the second years too, um, and just like see where everyone goes because, you know, people really came together and yeah, it was, it was it was cool to see that, even though we were all <laughs> just fine. Yeah. And that's the advice that I give to anyone else in leadership during crisis is, um, like, you're not alone. There's always people around you uh, that are wanting and willing to help, and um, you'll probably be facing a lot of challenges in the future, and I'm sure that people are able to handle some challenges on their own, but there's some challenges that are just um, too big. And it's important to know that you always have help and like be be there and ask to ask for it because yeah, yeah. I I think the people that I met through this experience are like, man, they're they're the best. And um, yeah continue to inspire me even now um, as we're going through, as I'm no longer president and <laughs> retired from that role. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, grateful for them to be in my life, so. Well, speaking of inspiration, gratefulness, we are inspired and grateful by you, Megan, and the rest of the leadership mm-hmm. uh, for, um, you know, I mean, it's not easy, right? Like you didn't, you didn't wish for this to happen, obviously. Like it just kind of fell in your lap and you just, you all had to kind of turn around and just make the best of it. Um, so yeah, well, I think everyone will be inspired and grateful of all the words you said. I can't think of a better way to wrap up this interview, Megan. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I think this has been a pretty good interview and um, I think, and hopefully um, this was fun for you walking down memory lane like this. Yeah, it was horrifying and comforting at the same time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, it was great. I'm just glad to be on it. I'm very honored that you asked me uh, to be on it. And I also want to say huge kudos to you for doing something like this. I think it's so important um, to like humanize people in medicine. And um, yeah, I think projects like these um, 
yeah, make us understand our neighbors better and maybe um, be kinder to people. And so, yeah, appreciate you, John. Thank you, Megan. All right, guys, that would do it for this episode of Beyond the Books. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. Please check out all of the future episodes on YouTube and Spotify. Um, And uh, that'll do it for this episode, and we will see you soon. You're listening to Beyond the Books with your host, Alex John. 